And it seems like once again we have more breaking news around the world of sports. This time it's concerning tennis. And it's not good news for uh, a certain player. Let's just say her name is Maria Sharapova. So apparently Maria Sharapova is now suspended for two years. And I don't know if a lot of people were aware that she had gotten tro- she got caught for doping, having an illegal substance and uh, failing a drug test back in March. And uh, that's why she wasn't in the French Open this year. They were trying to figure out how long you know she was going to be out. But uh, the official ruling came down from the IFT today. It is going to be two years off the tour, banned from competing in any type of uh, tennis matches or whatever she's done basically for two years now that that's what it's it's a big deal because you rarely see the book being thrown at uh, a person like a a Sharapova when I say that I mean a person that's that's such a face of tennis besides Serena Williams you know she was Serena's biggest competition before we found out that she was uh, getting her her performance enhancement on she had claimed plenty of times before that this was an accidental situation and it's kind of be hard to to really you know believe her I mean let's be honest how many times have we gone through this in baseball we've gone through it now in basketball and football you hear guys say that he didn't know he was taking an illegal substance I just feel like you have to know something because if that's the case, why was she never caught before? I always look at situations like Maria Sharapova and, you know, she's constantly being told she's number two. She's not number one. Serena is number one. Was this a desperate move to try to get back up to that level? To dethrone the great Serena Williams? I mean, that's going to be the, the discussion right now. I, I still feel like she's a great player. I feel like she'll beat this. But you're talking about two years off the tour. It's a lot of money lost, which she'll probably make back via modeling and any other extracurriculars that don't have to do with tennis. Because, let's face it, she's a, still a beautiful woman. And a lot of those times, she was being used a lot for her looks in terms of modeling. And, and, and not in a bad way. I'm not trying to say she's being exploited. She's very good at trying to, you know, further her brand. Kind of like how Kornikova did it, except for the fact that Sharapova is an elite player. Or was, because we don't know what this doping situation. But you will see her probably doing acting and things like that in the meantime. But uh, I can see her coming back on tour. I don't know how effective she'll be. But it's a uh, it's a blow for her, you know, her entire brand, her image, everything that she's trying to be about in the tennis world and you know endorsements we you know she was dropped um recently from plenty of endorsements but it's uh it's a tough blow for tennis as well i mean this is a a budding star you know just getting better each year it seems like so much respect was given to her almost immediately and now she's faced with the uh, possibility of not just, well, a temporary exile, I should say, and having to recover once she th- is lifted, once that whole uh, suspension is lifted. And they're saying in 2018, 
it will be lifted. So this is a tough time. A really tough time. I'm actually going to play a little bit of her uh, press conference explaining herself to admitting, you know, the failed drug test back in March. This was on March 7th where she uh, just wanted to explain how she's, you know, banned by the WTA uh, initially and uh, her thoughts as to why this happened. Um, I wanted to let you know that a few days ago I received a letter from the ITF that I had failed a drug test at the Australian Open. I did fail the test and I take full responsibility for it. For the past 10 years, um, I have been given a medicine called Mildrenat by my doctor, by my family doctor. And a few days ago after I received the ITF letter, um, I found out that it also has another name of meldonium, which I did not know. It's very important for you to understand that for 10 years, this medicine was not on WADA's ban list, and I had been legally taking the medicine um, for the past 10 years. But on January 1st, the rules had changed, and meldonium became a prohibited substance, which I had not known. I was given this medicine um, by my doctor for several health issues that I was having back in 2006. I, um, I was getting sick a lot. I was getting the flu. Every couple of months, I had irregular EKG results, um, as well as indications of diabetes with a family history of diabetes. I know that with this, I, I face consequences, and I've I don't want to end my career this way, and I really hope that I will be given another chance to play this game. Um, and I know many of you thought that I would be <laughs> retiring today and announcing my retirement, um, but if I was ever going to announce my retirement, it would probably not be in a downtown Los Angeles hotel with this fairly ugly carpet. <laughs> All right, well... Uh that's a, a comical way to look at the situation. This was back March 7th. Obviously, her mood is a lot different today because uh, it is going to be a two-year ban from the sport. Um, just the adjustment period that's going to have to occur for her is going to be tough. I mean, let's, let's be honest. This is not a sport where you can just pick up and, you know, and just that's it. Uh, she, you know, released a statement. I'm just going to breeze through it a little bit. Uh, she was saying how today's decision of a two-year suspension, the ITF uh, tribunal unanimously concluded that what I did was not intentional. They found that he did not seek treatment from the doctor for the purpose of obtaining a performance-enhancing substance. And uh, she basically says, like, this is being done as a precaution, or basically as a warning for future people that have this issue. So uh, they do say that she isn't, you know... She she wasn't doing it in a sense of trying to get an advantage. Um, it was just a uh, it's the appropriate way to respond to a violation because whether she knew it or not, it's still a violation of the rule. So that's why this suspension is happening, and um, this is why she's dealing with it. It's uh, it's it's just a 
it's the um, sign of the times. You know, they're going to have to do it. Uh, she also, you know, it starts to sympathize with the fans saying how she's missed playing tennis and she's missed her amazing fans who are the best and most loyal fans in the world. She's read the letters. Uh, she's also read the social media posts of the love and support from them. She says uh, she intends to stand for what she believes is right and will fight to be back on a tennis court as soon as possible. That is her uh, open letter regarding the situation. So Maria Sharapova once again suspended two years. That is the breaking news that broke a little bit over an hour ago. And uh, the tennis world will be is, is shook by this, let's be honest. Everybody was hoping that maybe she'll come back by Wimbledon and the U.S. Open, but uh, it will be a two-year ban for Maria Sharapova. So um, with that being said, we've had a, we have a big show today. Uh, we're talking a lot, a lot of fighting today. Tennis was originally not on the docket, but like I said, breaking news happens. You have to report it. But uh, we do have a lot of talk regarding UFC with uh, UFC 199 uh, ending last week and uh, 200. The whole promo trailer came out. You can check it out on the KeepItARealSports.com website. Brock Lesnar is on this card, and it caused a huge stir for the simple fact that Brock Lesnar is under contract with WWE. So we have that situation with UFC. We also have um, just what the plans are for UFC moving forward now with CM Punk. We keep hearing that he has another opponent. All that's out there. And um, we're going to take a look at uh, Kimbo Slice and just get a, you know, a lot of people don't realize he, he was such an innovator for what he did. Um, starting off with the internet and a lot of YouTube hits before YouTube was a thing. You would go see a lot of street fights that went viral from uh, Kimbo Slice. Uh, everybody know he passed away about two days ago at the age of 42, awaiting a heart transplant is what I was hearing. So, um, you know, we just got to reflect back on him as an innovator in a sense and uh, making his way to uh, UFC Bellator. He uh, definitely... Was he was the dream uh, in terms of making out the streets and uh, making a professional career out of this? We will talk to Anthony Shalute in a uh, couple of minutes regarding that. He is the uh, mixed martial arts, any type of fighting guru for Keep It a Real Sports. He is one of one of the um, correspondents regarding that. So he has plenty of thoughts on what is going to go down with UFC, this whole Brock Lesnar situation that came up out of nowhere, and what he's heard. Um, also on the show, we're going to be talking WWE. They have this huge brand extension that should be going down around July 19th. That's when the new SmackDown going live. Everybody knows SmackDown tapes on Tuesdays, and they actually play the tape on Thursdays. But now it's going to be going live and competing with Monday Night Raw, setting up another WWE draft that happened in the early 2000s. That was a big deal. So it's going to be two competing shows again, probably add an extra spark to the brand as it is. Uh, going to get uh, Dr. Black from the Doctors of Wrestling, which is his podcast featured on KeepingItRealSports.com. He'll give his thoughts and uh, everything else going on in regards to AJ Styles' heel turn and the future of the uh, tag team division in WWE. So uh, with that being said, any uh, comments, any questions, or you just want to discuss this whole Maria Sharapova thing that broke, Call me up, 516-900-2278, or you can hit me on Twitter, at Ed Easton Jr. on Twitter, and I will definitely get back to you. So uh, with that being said, when we come back, we will have Anthony Chalute on the line, and we'll be talking UFC. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Bad ball. Bad ball. 
know we had to do a remix, right? is mad, I get more butt than ashtrays. Fuck a fair one, I get mine the fast way. Ski mask way, and the ransom notes. Far from handsome, but damn a nigga tote. More guns than roses, foes is shaking in their boots. A visible bully, like the gooch disappear, vamoose, you whack to me. Take them rhymes back to the factory. I see the gimmicks, the whack lyrics, the shit is depressing. Pathetic, please forget it. You're mad cause my style you're admiring. Bad UPS is hiring. You should have been the cop. Hip hop with that freestyle, you're bound to get shot. Not from Houston, but I rap a lot. Pack the gap a lot. The flame's about to drop. Here comes a brand new No rap, no crap, you bore me One to grab my body, too lazy, hold it for me I'm straight, rap, great, bust the head straight And dreads, I'm everlasting Like it's so on protest A tech nine, when I rhyme Plus I climb, word is bond Your album couldn't f*** with one line It's been three years since your last year But now I reappear, your heart pumps fear To your gut, did your girl's butt I scraped it, shaped it, now she won't strut I smash teeth, off your beef, no relief I step on stage, girl scream like I'm Keith You won't be around next no, year My rap's too severe, can't get bad flavor in here Here comes the brand new flavor in Time for new flavor Time to burn to explore The flavor in your ear is the boy scout I make outs, I make all the rappers have doubts right. You're fucking with the wrong clan and the wrong man, that's it Now you got to get your doom split I'm going into my knapsack with my gat Take off my hat, yes I'm just cool like that The dangerous, the ruggedness from the flappers abyss BLS 97 kiss bouncing it I'm gonna live long in this rap game Singing for my name, yo Filthy up the heat. I really think you should be cheap while we blow. 
Sports Social Eddie's to hear of Southcast FM. Once again, as always, taking calls 516 900 Got Anthony Chalou joined us in a couple of seconds. And uh, we'll be talking a lot about the life of Kimbo Slice, what's going on in UFC. So um, definitely look looking forward to that. But um, also, just want to remind everybody if you want to listen to the show again, check out sportssocialpod.com as part of Keeping It a Real Sports Network. Just go to sportssocialpod.com. You'll have information on how you can listen to it on iTunes. The download link is right there, so definitely subscribe. So uh, check that out, sportssocialpod.com. Um, just thinking about what the plan is moving forward with all these MMA fires, it's going to be a uh, a tough thought. And I, like I said, I know Anthony's one of the main guys that can really decipher this whole situation and – just in regards to what the plans are, uh, like Kimbo Slice, I didn't even know he had a heart problem. I had no idea. And it claims his life. The guy's a budding star. Uh, I just, just really a shocker. It's been a rough couple of days. Obviously, he did the Muhammad Ali tribute yesterday for uh, just athletes and and just personalities in general. You're hearing a lot, a lot of random passing. So, uh, Goes back to what I was saying when the when Prince happened, you know, you just gotta, you never know, nothing's guaranteed. You know, tomorrow is a promise today, so make sure you are in touch with loved ones and uh, people you care about because it's never a guarantee at all. And looks like we have our call on the line, Anthony. You there? Hey, Ed. What's going on, man? How's it going, man? Pretty good. How you doing? Good, good, good. Uh, a lot of stuff going on in the UFC right now. I mean, I mean, this has to be like a pretty insane week in terms of just news. Uh, I would say definitely. I mean, uh, you know, Michael Bisping won this past weekend, but his uh, well, he won the uh, middleweight championship over Luke Rockhold, but that kind of got overshadowed by uh, Ariel Helwani being booted out of uh, out of the event during the time of the the championship fight. Yeah, definitely that, and obviously the trailer coming out in the middle of the event of uh, 199 uh, about UFC 200 and Brock Lesnar. Yes, yes, yes. I When I heard about Ariel Helwani, I was kind of surprised because, you know, um, he's always had a good relationship with at least Dana White, and I couldn't understand why he was uh, booted out of the event, considering that he was just doing his job. I mean... Any reporter, in my mind, any self-respecting reporter, journalist, whatever you want to call it, if had a scoop like that, they would. Why would they sit on it? And he he didn't sit on it. And he's even said in his podcast, the MMA Hour, um, 
uh, two days ago, Monday, he was saying that how he's had scoops in the past, and when he's gone to confirm it with uh, the UFC brass, that they would say, um, no, that's not the case, and then it would turn out to be what the scoop he had was in fact right. Yeah, it's it's the thing. It's like we heard like the whole commotion with that and him being banned. He's not banned anymore, right? Is that the no? They they rescinded the ban uh, yesterday. Okay. Yeah. No, actually, late late Monday night they rescinded the ban. Was, that was when word got out. Okay, because it was uh it was definitely a weird situation, and then now the obvious news with Brock Lesnar, and I think Dana White was originally saying that there was no communication, that it was an accident, that he was on the website, he was lying about it. I don't know if you heard about that. Like, he he, he was talking and saying that it was a, it was an accident that he was appearing on the website originally. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like they like to have a little sense of drama when they have news like that, which is fine, you know, because as a promotion, you want to, you know, keep people on the hook. But I'm not going to – I just don't understand how you could – do what they uh what Dana and the UFC uh management did with uh Ari Hawani because he was just doing his job. Right. Anybody gets a scoop, they're gonna they're gonna one check their sources, which mm-hmm. he did. Mm-hmm. And then two, if they have their sources right, they're gonna release it. It's basic journalism, one on one. It is. And it, it, you know it's the scary part about it is now you kinda have to look at UFC as Okay, are you guys that really that different from being a WWE type of product where it is almost like, you know, a predetermined thing and it's it's everything self it's pretty much contained? Like or do you guys want to be considered a legit type of business almost like boxing, you know? Like I don't know where UFC really stands. This is like a situation like this is an example of where does UFC stand? Is it entertainment or is it athletic competition? Honestly, it it, it it puts that uh, the UFC in a bad light because you're you're flexing your muscles on a, a journalism that all he was trying to do was do his job. Yeah, they've had uh, ups and downs in the relationship between uh, Dana and I don't want to say necessarily Dana, but more so um, from what Helwani was saying in his podcast, he doesn't have much. He has a relationship with Dana. He doesn't really have. Uh, relationship with uh, Lorenzo Fertitta, uh, one of the main owners of the UFC. And I think that's what led to him being booted out of UFC 199, the fact that he doesn't have a relationship with Lorenzo. Right. Okay, now, that's still such a <laughs> uh, still awkward situation right there. But um, just looking at now, like moving forward, what UFC has planned, they're talking about with Conor McGregor doing a rematch with Diaz. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's going to be you. It's not UFC 200, that's UFC what number? I think it's either 201 or 202. Okay. If I remember right. So that's going to be UFC 202. How did, you know what I mean? It goes back, it's so much like politics and confusion. So Conor McGregor's on the same page as Dana White now. Now they're on the same page. Uh, it appears to, I think it was more <laughs> D, uh, getting Diaz to the table because it seemed uh, Conor was definitely up for the rematch. But it seemed like uh, the negotiations were taking a little longer with Diaz, hmm. because uh, you know he won the first uh, he won the first fight between the two. Does that mean he gets more money? Stuff like that. Right, right. So I think that's what uh, led to the fight being set up uh, a little longer than expected. Okay, now we got that situation, and obviously the other one is. Uh, 
in regards to CM Punk, which we it seems like we ask because every time we talk, we always talk about <laughs> when does CM Punk could actually fight or something. It's always something happens. Either he gets injured or you know there's no opponent or I, this guy's been on the roster for almost three years now at this point, right? Uh, something like that. I honestly don't know. It's been so long. Um, I honestly, at this point, I have no idea if and when we will see CM Punk. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I figured we were supposed to see him sometime last year. And then, you know, like you said, the injury bug, then couldn't find him an opponent. And it just seemed to be a up and down roller coaster of injury bug. Couldn't find an opponent on, on repeat. So I don't know if we see him, I guess we'll see him. If not, I'm not. Losing sleep over it because I don't know. I don't know what, aside from name recognition, I don't know what he brings to the UFC. I think that's all he brings at this point. <laughs> and now with the UFC and the WWE doing business like this now, I mean, can you really, what information do you have on this deal? Because I thought it was such a surprise that the WWE would allow Lesnar to go out there because he's still in the contract with them to go back. Yeah, but he, you know, it's, it's such a he, weird deal. It is kind of weird because I know he's not one of the, on the main roster. He's kind of like a a moonlighter wrestler, if you will. Like mm-hmm. sometimes he'll pop up, sometimes he'll do his own thing. I think um, I guess he must have uh, worked it out with them that he had the flexibility to do whatever he wanted. Because most cases, WWE superstars, from what I understand, especially with uh, the ordeal that CM Punk went through as he left uh, the WWE, you know. He and I believe it's Alberto Del Rio, out of all the WWE superstars at the time, when he was still with WWE, they those two guys were under, in their, they had clauses in their contracts where they could not compete for any MMA organization. So I was kind of surprised that the news bro- uh, broke that Brock Lesnar was going to be fighting in UFC 200, because I, I just didn't see it happening. Yeah, I, I didn't see that happening at all. And like I said, they did a great job of uh, putting pretty much shocking the heck out of the world for a good that whole night. It, it stopped being about 90, <laughs> 199. It's just everybody was thinking about 200 because you saw at the end of the promo, there's Brock Lesnar. You know, you're like, how, how the hell did that happen? And you see that. And then WWE tweets out, you know, like, it's no big deal. He'll be back by SummerSlam. Like, I thought that was kind of funny. I was like, okay, that's WWE saying, you know, they didn't get anything over on us. There's a deal in place. But I'm also hearing a rumor that now because of this, UFC is going to be having some of their fighters making appearances on WWE uh, television. Did you hear anything about that? Yes, I, I heard about that. One rumor that's uh, circling the wagons right now is that um, uh, the recent, uh, recent contestant of Dancing with the Stars, one Paige Van Zant, is supposedly going to be making an appearance at uh, – WWE SummerSlam. I haven't heard anything else about other fighters, but she is one fighter that is uh, on the rumor mill about to uh, possibly make an appearance for Summer SummerSlam. So we'll see what happens with that. I'm curious. I guess they don't want anything to do with Rousey, huh? <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. I mean, Ronda, she had she had the star power for a little while, and then you know all it took was one loss, and then it's kind of like Ronda who. She was kind of the, yeah. the soup du jour. I noticed that. It's real quick, you know. One time you, <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I you hear nothing about her now. Jeez. But, um, you know, that's a whole other story, whatever's going to happen with that women's division, because that's always up in the air. But Yeah, definitely. Looking now, I just want you to reflect a little bit on, obviously, Kimbo Slice passed away about two days ago. What were your thoughts on Kimbo Slice as, you know, 
do you feel like he was an innovator because he got big off the internet and this is like the beginning of YouTube. He was like the first big sensation and uh became a professional fighter from it. What do you what do you take from his legacy if there is any? Uh I mean in a way he was a he was a self-made a self-made man. He had one skill, he could punch and he took that and ran with it and he got himself from a YouTube sensation into the world of MMA. Um, when he was on, when CBS finally showed MMA for the first time ever on network television, mm-hmm. and he was in the event, I believe, is one of the high, highest rated events ever for uh, an MMA program. Yeah, and that's that's and, still. I don't know if it still holds, but um, it was it was incredible because I remember such the hype behind it. I was seeing the YouTube videos over the years, and uh, seeing him actually make this transition. I just thought it was such a surprise when you when we got the news, like it was heart failure. I, did you know there was any like complications he was having? Uh, was there any type of information regarding that out there? Earlier Monday, they said he was in the hospital. They didn't release that until like I didn't see anything about heart failure until uh, yesterday. To be honest with you, they just said that he was at the hospital and that he was in a, a dire condition. And then. Um, yeah, he was in a dire condition in that he was hospitalized. And like I said, um, later that ni- later Monday night, he died. And then uh, Tuesday, he uh, it was released that he had heart failure. Well, I'm kind of not surprised considering that recently, um, following his fight with Dada 5000 back in February, that um, he uh, it was found that he tested positive for a steroid. Right. So do you think that had anything to do in regards to maybe this happening or? Uh... I, I, I mean, I think so. I mean, it's been long noted that, you know, repeated and chronic steroid use leads to heart problems in the long run. Yeah, and it's, uh, like I said, it's a trade. Only 42 years old, very young still. So um, that's that's a rough way to go out. But uh, like I said, we'll definitely remember his legacy for, what, you know, like you said, being a self-made man and uh, making that transition over. Um, my last question is, is there anything we should be looking out for now with UFC moving forward? Because we had we were hit with a weird week of everything. <laughs> like, is there something that we should really be looking forward to, in your opinion? Uh, the only thing, honestly, that comes to mind would be the long-awaited debut of CM Punk, and then second, I would say the return of Ronda Rousey to the Octagon. So, but I think those are two things. Oh, and um, thirdly, and this all depends on if and when Ronda comes back, will there be a fight between her and Chris Cyborg? Because I know Chris Cyborg has been chomping at the bit to get her hands on Ronda. Yeah, definitely would love to see that. I mean, Cyborgs, you've heard it for a while. You've heard the uh, the rumors. That would actually be a, a fun matchup. Who do you take in that? Since you're a guy that's definitely into the actual action more than anybody else, you see the different fighting techniques. Who wins in that matchup? If Cyborg can keep the fight standing, I'd have to give the nod to Cyborg. She's definitely a more polished striker than Ronda. And I like Ronda, don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of Ronda, but... As we saw in her fight with Holly Holm, she has some things to work out in her stand-up game. But as it goes to the ground, i got to give the edge to Ronda, as usual. All right. Well, we'll definitely look forward to that. And thank you, as always, Mr. Anthony Chalute, the guru when it comes to uh, MMA for Keep It A Real Sports. Thanks, thanks again, man.
Thank you, Ed. You're too kind, my brother. <laughs> no problem. We'll talk again later. All right, man. Bye. All right, that was Anthony Chalute talking MMA, UFC, a lot of stuff just going on. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's a shame that Kimbo Slice had to pass away. And, and, you know, for what he was, just like, you know, just even guy, the guy promoted well. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, as we go to break, I'm going to play a little bit of him promoting his uh, fight for uh, Showtime. This is back uh, a couple of years back, almost 10 years ago. And just to let you know the type of guy he was. So Kimbo Slice, you know, rest in peace. Uh, we'll be back. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. You know, you got different neighborhoods. There's different neighborhoods, you know what I'm saying? In every neighborhood in every city, there's a guy who's always a tough guy. There's always a bully. There's always, you know, a butt wipe. You know what I'm saying? There's always someone who just, just, just you know what I'm saying? You know, he always, you know, he feels like he, he has a point to prove. He'll walk around with a chip on his shoulder. Those are the guys that I, I like to bang with. You know what I'm saying? I like to throw hands with because I'm not that type of guy. And, you know, I don't like them type of guys. You know what I'm saying? They don't stop. They never stop. We were, you know, pretty much to the point where we were calling out these type of guys. You know what I'm saying? If they feel like they were a badass in their neighborhood, you know, represent your city. You know what I'm saying? And when Trick came out with that song, Rep Your City, Rep Your Hood, that was the perfect song for us because we was repping our city, repping our hood. And it, and, it, and it was entertainment at the same time. A lot of people was wondering when was I going to go MMA, go MMA. And, and, it, and it was just a perfect transition to do as many fights as we could do on the streets until we weren't getting any more. You know what I'm saying? No one else was, hey, you know, I got a guy I want to fight. I got a guy I want to fight. I wasn't getting that anymore. You know, it was to the point where people was like, go to Brazil and shit. You know what I'm saying? To find a fight. Go to Hong Kong or China, Japan somewhere to find a fight. A friend... A friend of ours knew Bosch Rudin, and, and this year was my first year linking up with these guys and, and learning everything I can learn and, you know, and coming over to, to MMA, you know. And hopefully I'll have a good career in it, you know.
and we're back. Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. Got some breaking news for you. Apparently, Kevin Love will not play in tonight's game for the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers in Game 3 of the NBA Finals. He is still suffering from, from concussion uh, problems, so no Kevin Love tonight for the Cleveland Cavaliers as they look to get back into the series tonight. That's a, that's a pretty big loss for them. I mean, I know there was always the thing about Kevin Love didn't show up the first two games anyway, but uh, he's definitely not going to be physically able to play in this one. Uh, concussion, I don't know how severe it is, but uh, if he's out for Game 3, that's a pretty big deal, so... You're probably going to look at Channing Fry. He's probably going to start in his place. And uh, a lot of adjustments that are going to be needed to be made by the Cavaliers if they want to get back into series in any form. I mean, they just hadn't had really any type of any type of momentum where they could jump out on this team. They've just been in a lot of trouble. So not having Kevin Love is a big deal. How they're going to handle it will be interesting. But, um, you know, he took the elbow in the back of the head in, towards the uh, end of the first half in game two, and he just never really got back into it. So it's uh, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a definite challenge. I still see Channing Frye as being an adequate replacement for the moment, but they're going to need a lot more from LeBron James, which is you would think is impossible for all he's done already. But the team is it, it is just reeling right now. They definitely need a spark in some way. Last year they got it from uh, Delavadova, but uh, he's not really much of a factor this year. But they they need something. They're going to be at home. That's going to be a huge deal on how they um how they make their adjustments. Now, in regards to just what the teams are thinking, you know, what's the mindset. There was, um, you know, every team has their opinions on how they're going to handle things. Steph Curry sat down with the media. You know, he discussed a little bit about Game 2. He uh, gave his preview thoughts for Game 3, which I honestly feel like Golden State is still a favorite no matter what. And um, I don't even know. It's, it's scary because remember, Steph Curry hasn't had a Steph Curry game yet, and he's definitely due for one, so... Cleveland has to make adjustments. Will they be able to is uh, is a whole other story. We're just listening a little bit to uh, what Steph Curry had to say in regards to his team and the uh, preparation going in to Game 3. Yes, in Bay Area. Steph, uh, you guys are having troubles with Game 3, it seems. I mean, I think you're 2-5 and five in Game 3s under Steve, 5 in Game 3s under Steve. I lost all three Game 3s so far this postseason. Can you pinpoint what's going on? You guys go on the road for that first game. Um, you know, you think about this playoff series, the Houston series. Um, I didn't play, and we still had a, a, a legit chance in the last two two minutes to get that job done. So that was kind of just a a missed opportunity. Um, Portland series, kind of the same way. Um, and then last series, we just got dismantled in three and four on the road. Um, more a situation where we kind of, I mean, obviously the Thunder were a great team. We, we beat ourselves with turnovers and, and the details of the game plan that we knew we needed to, to correct or, or to execute at a, a very high level to win on the road. So we hope we can figure that out uh, for tomorrow. This is a, a hostile environment for sure and one that we remember from last year. So 
you got to get off to a good start and play with energy, um, you know, to keep ourselves in it early and not have to, you know, make you know crazy comebacks or do uh, anything spectacular along the way. Just just be ourselves. Marcus, back left on four, sitting down. Marcus, just raise your hand. When you uh, watch the film, what's your takeaway from the defense that you guys have played two games? What do you see? Um, for the most part, we're just staying in front of guys. We're obviously doing a lot of switching, but um, we're not having many breakdowns on, on communication, knowing who's guarding who, loading up in transition so they don't get you know easy layups. And trying to just contest as many jumpers as we can. Um, we're not going to, you know, lock up every individual talent they have on the on the team. You just got to live with contested shots and, and hope they miss um, and force them into those tough shots. So the biggest thing we need to do better is obviously, you know, less turnovers. They had, I think, 20-plus points off of turnovers. And um, if we can do that and continue to play the defense that we've been playing, then – you know, that should help us, especially on the road when it's going to be even harder. Does it feel like you guys are playing uh, or locked in defensively? Are you guys high-fiving each other in the film room at rotations and stuff? Uh, it's not a big celebration, but it is a, a good feeling knowing we're doing what we can do, but we can be better, which is uh, something that we need to challenge ourselves with for sure. Third row in the center. Chris Fedor, Cleveland.com. Steph, last year in the finals, Jarrett Smith struggled so far in the first two games. He's off to the same kind of start. What is it that you guys are doing on him to take him out of his comfort zone and making things difficult for him? Um, mainly, it's just like I was just talking about, not having any breakdowns because some of the stuff they run for him, and they, you know, they rely on <clears throat> some action that, that gets him free, especially for three. Uh, three-point shots, <clears throat> um, and then always just having a body, you know, as close as you can on him and making him put it down on the floor. If he gets to the basket and makes a play, which he's obviously capable of doing, then um, we'll hopefully have help behind us. But you can't let him get open threes and get a rhythm, especially early in the game. So I know they're probably going to try to find ways to get him going in game three. And we need to stay locked in and focused on where he is at all times while still having, you know, five guys and help, uh, you know, help position um, for for the other actions that they run. Any other questions for Tim right here? Second row. The AP. Steph, when LeBron was in here earlier, and he <clears throat> You know, for obvious reasons, said tomorrow's do or die for them. Obviously, nobody wants to go down 3-0 against anybody, particularly a 73-9 and team. But when you hear that from an opponent, when you know that it's kind of all-or-nothing time for an opponent, how do you not get sort of wrapped up in their thinking and sort of get away from the things that you have to do, things that you have to focus on, and instead focusing too much on what this game means to the opponent? In a perfect world, we wouldn't hear anything they had to say, and we would just worry about what we uh... – what our game plan is, but obviously that's that's not possible. Um, but you have to have a collective mindset that we know they're going to make adjustments. We know they're going to come out um, with a sense of urgency, knowing the moment. But 
we need to have that same mentality because at, for what's at stake, if we are able to go up 3-0, that is a, a great position to be in. And we, that is the opportunity. Um, we can't get complacent. We can't celebrate anything because we haven't accomplished anything because we haven't accomplished anything yet. And um, it would be good for us to have the same mindset he just described, um, regardless of the 2-0 lead. That was uh, Steph Curry yesterday speaking to the media, talking about his hopes for what they want to do and uh, just trying to put this Cleveland Cavaliers team away. Some of the points that I, that I liked was he talked about J.R. Smith and how they basically neutralized him. J.R. Smith has been as ineffective as you could possibly be in a uh, playoff series. And, you know, it's it's it just shows how important it is to have everybody on the same page. So not having J.R. Smith making tough shots – not being much of a threat out there, not really spreading that uh, defense for the Warriors, making it easier for Steph to be on JR and, you know, like switch off a little bit. It's it's just a uh, a tough situation. You got Kyrie Irving being guarded by Klay Thompson, who's proven to be a, a very adequate defender in this league and a uh, tremendous two-way player. So it, it's things like that that uh, the Warriors are keying in on. They are happy where they are, but uh, they know they're going into a hostile environment. And uh, with that being said, this is what LeBron James had to say today during shoot-around preparing for tonight's game. Uh, we'll prepare. Um, well, I mean, all the conversation that you have on a daily basis means nothing. you got to go out and just play and uh, lay it out on the floor, lay it out on the line, and, uh, and uh, live with the results. Uh, I'm going to do whatever it takes to help our team win this ball game. Brian Jr. has been doing a great job for you guys. How do you get him going offensively? Uh, you know, it's tough um, because they're doing a great job of trying to take him out of the game, knowing how important he is to our offense. But, uh, you know, we got to run some things for him, keep him engaged offensively because he has been doing a great job defensively. So uh, we got to do a better job. He's a, he's a high hand for us, uh, and we have to understand that. What's your advice for you guys if, if Kevin is not a Next man up. Uh, well, we're going to see. Uh, we're going to see tonight. Our, our coaching staff has prepared us for tonight, and uh, it's up to us to go out and execute the game plan. No, I don't think I said that. So what were you confused about? What were you confused about? I don't think I said that. No, it's not the game plan. I said we got to go out and play as hard as we can, as close to 48 minutes and compete. And uh, if guys aren't competing, then Coach Luke can make a decision at that point. It has zero to do with X's and O's. You got to go out and compete um, and, uh, and give it all we got. So uh, that's what I was alluding to. Uh, it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, obviously, me being a playmaker or this team, um, I, mean, I got to do a, a job of trying to get my guys some looks uh, when I attract the double team or I attract guys in transition to get those guys going. 
And then also it's uh, it's 50-50. Those guys have to get themselves going as well. But it's a little bit – it's different for guys that um, that don't handle the ball as much compared to guys who do, who do handle the ball, you know. So, um, you know, you kind of de- – you dictate dictate that depending on who who the personnel is that may be struggling at that point in time. Um, is that a trick question? You want to be confused again at my answer? <laughs> it's going to be a great atmosphere. Our fans are unbelievable, and um, I can't wait to get out there tonight. All right, so that's LeBron James. He got a little a uh, little chippy there with one of the reporters asking questions and. Uh, you can tell the guys on the edge, you know, this is a big game. They want to make sure they come out big. Uh, Cleveland's going to be rocking tonight, no pun intended. But uh, it's it's definitely a um, a huge game for them. They have any chance of winning this series. They have to win tonight. There's no question about that. So uh, we'll definitely see how they're going to play it. But um, it's a tough tough business right now for the, for the uh, Eastern Conference champions as they want to just figure out a way to get back in this series, get back into, uh, you know, title hopes. I, it's funny, I just saw that uh, that ESPN 30 for 30 called Believe Land and just how much the city of Cleveland is just just thirsty for a, a championship. They've been hoping for this for forever, let's be honest. From every sport, just to have a champion would be the biggest thing for this city. So Cleveland uh, is all – everyone in Cleveland is going to be watching this game in hopes that they can turn it around. So we should definitely see a lot of adjustments now that, you know, Kevin Love is not playing. But uh, who knows? Uh, when we come back, going to be talking with uh, Dr. Black from the Doctors of Wrestling, which is a podcast that's featured on KeepItAReelSports.com. And we'll be talking about some WWE, see what's going on with this brand extension, this draft, who's going to be making some transitions and some possible SummerSlam matchups. So stay tuned for that. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. And I want you to know that these are the breaks. Breaks on a bus, breaks on a car, breaks to make you a superstar. Breaks to win and breaks to lose. But these here breaks rock your shoes and feet.
Oscar, you debuted here in NXT nine months ago. And at NXT TakeOver Dallas two months ago when you defeated Bailey, you have gone on to prove that you are an incredibly... Everyone has been running scared from you for months now. Why? You haven't done anything impressive. You've kicked some girls in the head. So what? 
You beat Bailey? I broke Bailey. I broke the heart and soul of NXT. Just like I'm gonna break you. I am the future. And I'm not scared of you. You talk too much. If you are not scared of me, you should be. Dr. Black once again, talking WWE and uh, NXT, which is going to be going down tonight. This is NXT, the end. Is it the end? That's what's calling it? Yeah, Uh, yeah, the end. Take over. Okay. That can mean a lot of things. (laughs) Okay. I'm just going to give my theory of what the end means. The end of all, the end of the Balor-Joe feud. uh, Feud. Like that's what I think th- that it that it means. So okay, so it's yeah. nothing deeper than that. I think a lot of people were thinking that's going to be like the end of ah uh, brand extension. NXT and, ah. Yeah. So yeah. okay, well, look, we're going to definitely talk about the brand extension in a second. But what about you know the uh, main two matches for Takeover? Uh, the women's match going to be Nia Jax versus uh, um, you know Asaka. Um, why can't I say her name Asuka. right? I always say her name wrong. Asuka. I call it. I I try to say it from how it's. Uh, yeah, we we you should call it the WWE way. Yes, it's Asuka. Asuka is you know the way. It is the Japanese way, right? Yeah. 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 yeah I never understood why they did that, but uh, it's you know it's their policy with it. It's like but, uh, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah. Same, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so what what are your thoughts on that one? Uh, I love Nia Jax, but Oscar's gonna kill you. <laughs> I mean, the, if you've seen her wrestle, like, you have the King of Strong Style, and I'm calling her the Queen of Strong Style. Because she's just that damn good, as Triple H once amply said. Uh, yeah, she stays undefeated. She doesn't take this L, and she'll go on to rematch Bailey at TakeOver Brooklyn. So, those are my, so that's my prediction. All right, now speaking of Bailey, was that like a real injury or is that just a uh, no. storyline? No, not storyline. They're saving, you know they got to save her for TakeOver Brooklyn. They could, they could make Nia Jax, because I mean, Nia Jax, is, it's, it's Nia Jax, her, Carmella, the big four, Carmella, Nia Jax, Asuka, and Bailey. Agreed. Um, what about Alexa so, Bliss? I guess she hasn't made her uh, transition into being a feature player in terms of the women's division. You see how, like, the role of Dana Brooke is kind of being played right now? That's kind of like Alexa Bliss. Like, mm-hmm. she's not there yet, but 
she might be there down the road, but you just don't know what you're getting right now. That's kind of like Alexa Bliss to me. Same with Dana, brother. Same, same exact woman. Like you, you, the potential may be there, but you're not sure if it's there. You hope it's there for their sake, but you never know. So yeah, yeah so they're just playing it safe for the most part with her. Pretty much. Pretty much. All right. So what about the um the main match, uh, Balor and and Joe? It's supposed to be in a cage match. What are your thoughts on that? One word. Lit. <laughs> this all it's gonna be. Um in all honesty, Joe needs to retain. For for main roster purposes, this is what it is. And you can see where I'm going with this. If you know history of the Bullet Club, because this is not WWE, so we can call it the Bullet Club. Uh Balor was a part of the Bullet Club. He was actually one of the leaders of the Bullet Club at one point of his career. So, you know, like I know, the draft is coming up. With that being said, it makes sense for them to call up Finn Balor and place him in the Bullet Club. Now, I don't know... If, I don't want to really go into spoilers, but I don't know if you've seen what I've seen with the potential rosters, but it would make a lot of sense if Finn gets called up and goes with uh, Styles and uh, Gallows and Anderson. Plus, you actually have a dynamic feud coming up, which I won't play spoiler on your show, nor will I even play it on my show because I refuse to play spoilers on what the rosters may potentially look like. But from what I've seen, which is not official, but there's a really good feud that can come out of this. So, And you can put two and two together if you can think about what I'm talking about. Here. So, oh, yeah. Really great feud I see coming I, down I the road. Yeah, I definitely feel where you're going with that. But um, how about we make that transition to the brand extension what you know? What is the the latest you're hearing besides the the random rumors about there being uh, you know the draft? They said the list is already out in terms of the rosters. I've heard different things with that. Um, what are you hearing about like SmackDown and who's going to be running SmackDown and how they're going to run Raw? Is there any like new detail that you've heard? All right. The only thing that is probably a hundred percent confirmed is Shane and Stephanie will be running Raw. One will be running Raw. One will be running SmackDown. They'll both be faces. That is the only thing 100% confirmed. Uh, SmackDown will end up replacing Byron Saxton. I, I, will split, I, will, I will spread this one out there with Corey Graves for what it looks like. So potentially Corey Graves, which basically makes probably – the best announced team ever to come along in WWE with Ronello, King, and Graves. That's the only thing really confirmed outside of the women's champion, which will be Charlotte by the time the draft comes along, and the WWE World Heavyweight Champion, who could be Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns, depending how WWE feels right now. 
they will be appearing on both Raw and SmackDown. So the champions will respectively be uh, appearing on both shows. I haven't heard any news about the tag team championships yet. I have not. And I guess the Intercontinental in the United States will be exclu- one will be exclusive uh, exclusive to Raw, the other to SmackDown, as the, as they were in the past. So I outside of that, I really I like everybody else. I haven't really heard anything. Yeah, because um, when they have to do the same thing with the tag team title, they would have to have it go to both brands as well. Because it's not like I don't I really don't want to split up two different tag team divisions. I think that's that's kind of dumb. Well, they just might because you have remember you have a lot of tag teams to call up too in NXT. You still have Blake and Murphy. You still have the Revival. You still have American Alpha. Plus, you still have a lot of these main these uh, main roster tag teams. So, I mean, the prize time players is pretty much split, but you still have like the Dudleys, New Day. Gallows, Anderson, a.k.a. Bullet Club. You got Luke Harper, Eric Rowan. You got the Usos. You got Lucha Dragons, because I don't feel Lucha Dragons is dead. You got uh, what's the the Shining Stars, or whatever they call themselves, Primo and Epico. You have a lot of teams still there. Plus, you have three more very good tag teams just, you know, sitting in NXT. So, oh, and then you also have, uh, what's his name? Tommaso and Champ, uh, what's his name? Uh, Champion, whatever. I keep forgetting his name. From NXT. Oh, Gargano and Tommaso. Uh, Champion. You still have them. Like, oh, what's the other... The Mighty Doneal, who they just faced like a week or two ago in NXT. So you have, again, like five tag teams just there. Plus the main roster tag teams. It makes sense for them to actually split the belts. That I wouldn't get mad about. Splitting the tag team uh, championships again? Do it. I'm all, for it. I'm all in favor for that. Okay, so that that doesn't make sense now that you kind of describe it. And you, when you really think about it, there's so many, and then, you know, so many in NXT as well. But, um, yeah. okay, but what are we looking at in terms of just differences in the shows? Because I'm hearing, like, Triple H may actually run in behind the scenes for SmackDown. Is that, is that any truth to that? Well, he runs NXT. So, I mean, while this is, a, this is really Vince's call. And you see what Triple H is on NXT. So, if he actually does end up running SmackDown behind the scenes, it wouldn't be, it'd probably make it a lot better, to say the least. Listen, Vince is going to run run Raw and run SmackDown and run WWE until, he's, until the man's pretty much dead. Like, it's just that how, it is, that's just reality of it all. Uh, unless he goes, like, really, really, really senile. Yeah, he's not gonna stop running this this company. So, if Triple H is actually going to finally get to run something, like he's running NXT because that's basically his baby, I'm all for it. Because you see, he's done a great job in NXT, so he'll 
do the same for SmackDown. No doubt about it. Okay, uh, I got to get your thoughts on this because obviously we've been seeing like the, the, I guess you could call it a surprise heel turn from uh, AJ Styles. Like, what are your thoughts on that, him going against Cena? Is that too early or is this the right time for it? Did you see his promo last night? Over on Raw? Did you see it? The, the man basically spoke the truth. Cena is the burial machine. You know what happens if you lose to Cena. You get into a feud with Cena, he buries you. Uh, is it too early for AJ Styles to get buried, in my opinion? Uh, yeah. But something my podcast partner amply mentioned a lot on the show. Vince McMahon, he will bury anyone that he didn't make just to say, because I didn't make you, I'm going to bury you, even though they're the superior talent. AJ Styles is the superior talent to Roman Reigns. AJ Styles is the superior talent to John Cena. But will AJ Styles win? Probably not. Would he, if, but if he wins the feud, would it be a surprise? Yeah. Because Cena losing clean is like asking Hulk Hogan to lose clean in the 80s and 90s. Never really happened. You could count on probably one hand how many times this happened. And I'm talking about no BS, no nothing, no ref, no somebody. The ref got knocked out. The the, the opponent. I mean, literally, match went from top to bottom. No stupid spots, and he loses clean. His shoulders get pinned to the mat, or he submitted. Really happens with Cena. But if he wins, hey, I'm, it won't shock me. But if AJ Styles wins, at least I know WWE is considering doing something for real, for real with him instead of using him as, like, the new CM Punk where he is, like, that guy who can out-wrestle everybody and he makes everybody in the ring, he gets, he, everybody he gets in the ring with look great. Not good, great. But they really don't really want to give him the keys to the city. Hopefully they don't do that with Styles. Yeah, I definitely understand where you're coming from on that. So what are your thoughts now with the whole big news with Brock Lesnar going back to UFC to compete at UFC 200? How do you think this affects uh, SummerSlam moving forward? It has no effect. Brock is sitting home, make Brock is just sitting home. Brock is bored. Brock said he had an itch. WWE's letting him scratch his itch. He's getting paid a lot of money. WWE is probably gonna get some people uh in return from you from uh Dana White an agreement for letting Brock go to UFC two hundred. So if you see a Conor McGregor or Ronda Rousey, or some other names pop up, say at SummerSlam or WrestleMania in the future, don't be surprised because this is a one-time deal. Dana White owes uh, Vince one. Brock is getting his pockets filled to capacity, according to what he said on SportsCenter. It's a win-win for Brock, and 
Dana. It's going to be a win-win for Vincent and, 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 and Cole down the road. Brock is still going to be able to compete at SummerSlam. I mean, he's right, well, he's going to fight July 9th. SummerSlam is August 21st. He'll have enough time to recoup from any cuts or bruises that he will incur in his uh, UFC 200 fight. But I'm, I'm personally very excited to uh, see the Beast Incarnate step back into the Oxygen one more time. I'm just so sorry for his SummerSlam opponent because if you remember what happened to uh, poor little uh, John Cena when Brock had his first match back, he, had, he thought he was still in the UFC and damn near killed Cena. So, <laughs> I pray they put him against somebody who could actually take a beat now. I definitely hear that. Now, my last question is uh, regarding The Undertaker. Is he? Is there a chance he's going to show up at SummerSlam? And if so, in what capacity, in your opinion? I haven't heard anything. And for me, I deem it as a, what's the point? Who is he? Who who is he to fight? Is there's nobody right now worthy of wrestling that man? Uh, the last match I personally want to see him in is versus Captain Barrio, aka John Cena. I just want to see that now because of where back in the day it was like. Undertaker just destroying John. Like, we all know. We all, we all remember those matches. It's not like it's never happened. But seeing it now, what would be, I was, I'm going to call it 2017 because I would prefer it to happen at WrestleMania. So for it to happen in 2017, it'd be Undertaker's last match. I mean, official last match. I, I mean, you maybe count him going out versus Shane. Uh, yeah, that's cool, but I think he needs a bigger match to go out on. And going against John Cena at the final match, I would say it's preferred. It's like Ric Flair. He went against Shawn Michaels, who we can easily argue was the greatest wrestler in the 1990s. Drugs or no drugs, still the greatest wrestler in the 1990s. Uh, Cena, as hard as for me to admit this, is the greatest wrestler in the 2000s. And that's very hard for me to admit. But he is the greatest. Like, accomplishment-wise, and what he's done, obviously, it's not in the ring work. Just don't, don't, just don't get it twisted. Not in the ring work. It's literally just his accomplishment that make him the greatest of the 2000s. So... Him and probably probably also for his uh you know branding for the help to help you know with the launch yeah. of the network and et cetera. He's the ultimate good guy. I mean, but it's like, but who's seen his credit? I will say this: he needs to have a whole Hogan moment. If he if his his career at the beginning was like all right, I'm a bad guy, but for like the last what decade roughly give or take, he's been like the 
super ultra babyface, he needs a heel run. Once he does that, everybody will like him again, including me. And then that's when he can retire. He needs to do his Hulk Hogan shtick. When Hulk Hogan joining under like Hulk Hogan's old shtick, everybody was sick of it. Hulk Hogan turned turned heel. Everybody tolerated Hulk Hogan. It's just Hulk Hogan was still cutting the same type of promos where, you know, brother and love, peace, and happiness type promos where he should have been cutting, like, more vicious promos. But, yeah, Cena needs that. And for him to face Taker, I think, would be fitting for Taker and it would be fitting for John, especially at that stage and at this point in John's career. Well, we'll definitely look forward to that. Dr. Black, thank you, as always, for giving us all the insight and pretty much is becoming a crazy WWE world right now and uh, just trying to figure everything out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, right. one more one more small thing. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but and I have to bring this up because it's atrocious and it just hurt me as a wrestling fan to see it. If you go, if you get a chance, and I want anybody listening to watch this, if you didn't see it already, watch that horrible Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy promo that TNA decided to air uh, from a few weeks back. It's about two minutes, and you will see why and why WWE is pretty much the more the most superior thing out there after watching this. Thing. Probably the worst two minutes of wrestling provo structure and everything ever. Ever produced, ever written. Just period. Just the worst. So, yeah. Just had to mention that real quick. All right. Well, we'll definitely look forward to that, man. Thank you, and uh, have a good one. We'll, we'll be in touch later. All right. Take care.
that's it. Hello. Haven't been able to consistently keep running, so his game has been in and out. Bird. Double trade. Triple team. Harris is fouled. Bird doubling Akeem right now, and Paris blocks the shot. Quickly out to Ainge from Bird. Sampson is back, and Danny Ainge with a nifty reverse layup score. Bird coming over to double. Sampson gets the rebound. The leading rebounder is Bird, leading playmaker Bird. And there's Johnson feeding Danny Ainge. It's a tough thing for a young player to come in and get in the finals. Doesn't understand the pressure. Trying to look for the steal. Paris. Nine for Paris. So I think they may bring their signs, but that's a testimony of the basketball crowd in this town. Burn to McHale on a pick and roll and a foul, and the Celtics are doing it just the way they have it on the playbook. When Bird gets the ball and starts making his move and gets the defense moving, he makes something good happen 90% of the time. Larry Bird has had a triple-double series, and he has the triple-double in this game as well. Elijah Wan guarding Paris. Steve Harris has come in the ball game. The rookie from Tulsa guarding Seaston now. McRae on Bird. Hook shot, goaltending by Samson. And is Johnson. There's Samson and Walt. Two seconds on the shot clock. Bird wants a three out of it. He gets it. He had very little time on the clock. He didn't care. He ran for the line and shot it up and got the three. Walt with the rebound. And sometimes, many times, those three-point shots break the back of the opposition. That front line that they have, the Rockets, is going to be a dominating force for a lot of years. Bird goes inside on McRae and draws the foul. He has every trick in the book. And I bet a lot of that comes when he's just working by himself out in Indiana. Just he, the ball, and the rim. Casey wanted trouble. That's just a little bit of some of what Larry Bird was doing 30 years ago today. One of the greatest performances in NBA Finals history back in 1986. This guy recorded 29 points, 11 rebounds, 12 assists against the Houston Rockets to win the title for the Boston Celtics. A lot of people consider that Boston Celtics team to be one of the best teams of all time. And um, it was an incredible performance. 30 years today, that performance happened. Larry Bird clinched the title against the Houston Rockets. A young Hakeem Olajuwon that year. It, uh, it just kind of further put out there that Larry Bird, you know, one of the greatest of all time. Uh, just a huge, huge performance. So I definitely had to acknowledge that. That is actually 30 years since that huge triple-double and uh, one of the greatest performances in NBA Finals history in a clincher, mind you. So just a great job all around in regards to it. Now, in just looking at what we see with today's NBA Finals and uh, LeBron James, I'm not saying he's going to need that type of performance, but he's going to need something close in order to make this even presentable in the sense that they can get back into it. So... A lot to look up to. You never know. A day like this brings a lot of luck. So the King could use anything, anything right now at this point as we head into game number three without Kevin Love. I want to thank my guests, 
Mr. Anthony Chalute for uh, checking in. We talked some UFC with him as well as Kimbo Slice. Um, as always, uh, we had uh, Dr. Black just finished talking to him about WWE and his thoughts. And you see he gives you a lot. Uh, it ain't just, you know, simple black and white with him. He always finds you little extra things that are going on within the uh, professional wrestling world. Uh, just, you know, little things like that in terms of what's going on with SummerSlam. And he's talking about how with The Undertaker and he may not even fight at SummerSlam. Brock Lesnar's still going to fight. That should be interesting to watch. And, of course, we already, we already talked about the Maria Sharapova breaking news earlier today. Another great show in the books. We'll be back tomorrow, same time. Here on Soundcast FM, this is Sports Social with Ed Easton. Catch you tomorrow.
was decades you know what I'm saying? Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens, Manhattan, the whole New York City. I said I love you, they're dead for you, don't stop. And you don't quit, you got to keep on until the do it like this. You don't stop, and you don't quit, you got to keep on and on and on. Oh.